From WXXI and the Little Theater, this is Movies in a Microphone. I'm your host, Scott Pukas, and today we're talking about a documentary on former U.S. Representative Anthony Weiner and his run for mayor of New York City in 2013. The praise for this film has been as abundant as the mockery of its subject. The Star Tribune says, both goofy and tragic, Weiner is this year's can't-miss documentary. Wiener opens at the Little Theater Friday, June 24th. Check thelittle.org for showtimes. Uh, now here to talk about this doc, we're joined by Megan Mack, the wonderful producer of Connections with Evan Dawson. You can listen to Connections weekdays from noon to 2 on WXXI AM 1370 or WRUR FM 88.5 in Rochester. And guess what? If you're in the Finger Lakes, you can listen to WEOS 89.5 FM in Geneva. Megan also teaches improv comedy at the Rochester Brainery. This doesn't have anything to do with this conversation. I just think it's awesome. Megan, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Our second guest is another one of my awesome co-workers, uh, Great Lakes Today reporter and the co-creator, host, and producer, I think those are all the correct titles, of Finding Tammy Joe the podcast, Veronica Volk. Veronica also helps start movies in a microphone, so I'm very excited to finally have you here with us. Yeah, thanks so much for bringing me on. <laughs> okay, now before we start this, I'm going to give a little timeline of the beginning of the movie and kind of a little summary of the Anthony Weiner story to those who maybe don't remember. Um, so... At the beginning, it shows uh, Wiener's passionate speech in Congress uh, regarding medical care of 9-11 emergency responders. Um, so he ends this with a literal mic drop. He like hits the mic, kind of becomes a political star from there. Um, then he eventually later tweets out a crotch shot, and it's kind of all downhill. Um, this is in 2011. So he resigns from Congress that same year in 2011. The film picks up in 2013 during his run for mayor. Um, and during the course of filming of this doc, um, another scandal breaks out, this time involving his correspondence with a woman named Sidney Leathers. Um, and this time he used the alias Carlos Danger, which I'm sure many of you remember from various late night talk <laughs> shows and just a lot of mockery around that. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Veronica. I understand you covered this mayoral race. Uh, can you tell us a little about covering it? And just it was such a fascinating, bizarre story. Yeah, so I was a reporter at WFUV at the time. Shout out to my alma mater station <laughs> in the Bronx. And we were all kind of assigned different um, political candidates at the time. And 2013, I don't know, if you were outside of New York City, I don't know if you realized what a complete um, crazy election cycle it was. Because not only did you have Anthony Weiner uh, running for mayor, but you had Elliot Spitzer running for comptroller. And he was embroiled in another political sex scandal where he was caught um, hiring prostitutes. I don't know if you guys remember any of this or have had heard of any of it. So it was kind of a crazy race to cover. And it was weird because Anthony Weiner had run for mayor before in 2005, um, lost to Mike Bloomberg. And he really was, like you said, he was a star on the rise. at the When he was first elected to, um, I'm sorry, was it Congress? He was a congressional rep. Mm. He was like the youngest person to do so at the time. He was speaking out at, at the time when it, there was this pendulum swinging away from the Bush administration. So he was super popular. And I think the film really captures this, which is after he had announced his candidacy for mayor, people were sick of hearing about his sex scandal. They were sick of it. People of New York were like, we're over it. We have we are so used to this as New Yorkers and Americans of, of these political sex scandals. We just want to hear about the issues. And that's really how his campaign started. And shout out to my old colleague, Chris Venezia, who covered this campaign from the beginning. But He listens. He's a regular oh, listener. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Chris. How's it going over there at ABC <laughs> News Radio? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think he um, the this the story, the documentary unfolds in a really interesting way and kind of explores this downward spiral. Okay. Megan, uh, so you obviously did not cover this. I but did not. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts? I mean, were, did you have a good grasp of it? Like, I, I had to kind of refresh my memory on these events. You know, did you, I don't know if you had to do that before watching it, this to kind of refresh your memory on it? I remembered them vaguely, but... I think the timeline of the film was really helpful, and it took you on this sort of emotional journey, too. Maybe it didn't intend to, but I think in the beginning, and you two should weigh in, I felt like I was sympathizing with him a little. People, like you said, Veronica, people were, they were ready to move on from the sex scandal. And he was at parades, and he was in debates, and his opponents would bring up the scandal, and people in the crowd would boo. They were like, we're done. We want to focus on the issues. So... In the beginning, I'm like, yeah, Anthony Weiner, star on the rise. Let's get this out of the way. But then he slowly drags himself back down into this terrible situation, for lack of a better phrase. And um, I don't know. It took me on this journey with him. And at times, I didn't know what to think. I love to hate him at times. He's a, <laughs> he's a love to hate type of character. <laughs> well, it, it's weird. It is like really whimsical at the beginning. Like he's biking around. It's happy. You know, people seem to be for him. It shows him on the subway. He's gaining traction. And then this other scandal hits and it just takes a dark turn. And then his character seems to turn too. It's like he's yelling at people more. He's more short with his staff. Well, so that's something I found really interesting because it was it that his character changed or was the framing different? Mm. Because... He was always a really kind of like aggressive, in-your-face person. He didn't back down. He says at one point that he doesn't like bullies. But at at some point, it switches from a man who is not going to be bullied to a man who seems to be becoming more unhinged through the process of, the, of his political unraveling. Mm-hmm. And also the narrative changed. I mean, in the beginning... He was accused of this moral bankruptcy. And then when the second scandal broke, it was more about why are you continuing to lie to New York voters? And and can we trust you if you're lying about the if you continue to lie about this particular scandal? Mm. And I, I do feel kind of the, the narrative was manipulated a little as well. Um, but it, it did change. And it was speaking of the filmmakers, what I thought was kind of strange, too, was just the access that they were allowed to Anthony Weiner. And this is one of the th- first things that we started talking about before we uh, did this podcast. But Megan, were you surprised that there was this much attention or this much access given to these filmmakers? Yes and no. I think I was surprised about the access that was given in his home. And, and putting Huma in that spotlight. And, and, you know, that's up to him. Is it fair to his family to do something like that? But he seems to really enjoy being the center of attention. So in that respect, no, I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. But if I were his wife, I, I don't know how I would have felt having cameras around all the time. Yeah, were you surprised, uh, Veronica, by all this access given? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of same answer as Mac, but I didn't know this until I did some digging around. But Josh Kriegman, one of the directors, but was actually a staffer for right. Wiener at one point. So it's not hard to see maybe how that would have happened, especially if he pitches this documentary at the beginning of the campaign, mm-hmm. this sort of um, redemption story that I think Wiener wanted so desperately to have. Uh, and then at some point, you know, he never really just told the cameras to, he never told them to turn the cameras off. Mm -hmm. He just let it continue to play out. And I do think that there was some speculation on his part that he could pull this off, that there would be a turnaround. You know, there are so many scenes where he's talking to his staffers and he's, 
I don't want to say optimistic because that seems like putting too much of a positive spin on it, but he's constantly looking for a way to spin the narrative or to get back in front of the public eye or to, you know, make his message known and continue to try to talk about the issues as he was putting it. Well, he he seemed very confident that he was going to win, well, especially before, you know, news of this second uh, scandal had hit. But like like we were saying, though, even afterward, he just seemed... He did. He, I think he had it in his mind, maybe. And, I, you know, you can't tell. Maybe this is just the way the filmmakers wanted it. But he really seemed to be think that he was going to be the next mayor of New York. And even when they told him, it, it's like, no, it's over. You're, you're not going to do it. He's still, um, I don't know if it, it could have just been denial, but he still was dead set on, you know, I'm going to I'm going to win this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there, even how how mayoral elections work. I mean, even if he mm-hmm. hadn't won the primary outright, do they have runoff elections here in Rochester? Okay, uh, just give me I'm going to edit in the answer later. So. Okay, so I don't know if they do, but in New York, basically, what happens is in the primary election, if the if the top, um, not polling, but the top candidate that gets the most votes doesn't get more than 40% of the vote, they have what's called a runoff where they take this, the first two candidates and then they just put them on a ballot together. They're like, okay, it's just down to these two. And like a month later, on October 1st, they'll vote for the runoff candidate. So I think... At the time, even though Wiener wasn't sure that whether or not he could pull it off completely, he thought he could at least get in this runoff election with each, with either Bill de Blasio, who ended up being the mayor, or Christine Quinn, who was the city council president at the time, who was like favored as the second runner up. So, okay. I mean, like, even if he couldn't win outright, I think he had some hope that like, maybe, you know, there's a chance that I could get in a runoff and then I'll have more time to extend my campaign to get back to the issues for people to forget about the sex thing. Okay, I've noticed you too. You know a lot more of the background than I do. I'm realizing this now. When you were covering, I'm going to go back to when you were covering this. Did you were you covering more of the like the the May oral race in general, or did you actually specifically cover any of the like the scandal around Anthony Weiner? Were you just mainly focused on this race? It's impossible. It was impossible to cover. So the way it was is we had a. We had a really small newsroom, but we had like a couple of reporters. Each one was assigned to a different candidate, except for my friend Jeff, who was just assigned mm-hmm. to the entire Republican ticket. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but so I, ca- I covered Bill Thompson, who had um, almost won the, uh, the last mayoral election. And then someone else had Wiener and then someone else had uh, Bill de Blasio and so on and so forth. But it was impossible to cover Wiener without covering the scandal because mm-hmm. that's all reporters wanted to talk about. I mean, there's that scene in the movie where he's, I forget what he's, he's trying to talk about some issue in the election and he's asking for on topic questions. And I, I think like many reporters have been in that situation where everyone's looking around and no one is there to cover mm-hmm. the actual event. They're all there to get a comment about a different story that they're working on. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of how it was. That's kind of how it was played out. Okay. And he, he mentions uh, his relationship with the media is very interesting. And again, this is something we were talking about before. And he even mentions that he compares it to a fable of, uh, what did I say it was? The scorpion and the frog, which is basically kind of the dependence uh, or people can't change their nature. It's where the frog uh, wants to cross a lake. And he's like, well, the scorpion can do it, but he might sting me. And the scorpion's like, well, I wouldn't do that because, you know, that'll they'll kill us both so they go and do it and the scorpion stinks them and the frog's like why'd you do that and he's like that's the nature so that was that was the fable or the comparison that anthony weiner in this movie did to the media i'm not sure if i make the connection here but i kind of get what he's saying how it's maybe a poisonous relationship uh so megan what are your thoughts on kind of how the media uh, i know you don't remember everything but how the media handled this or the, their relationship with uh, anthony weiner 
I think there are two ways to think about that. There's the way that the film characterized how the media mm-hmm. handled it and then the way the media really did handle it. And maybe they're not that different, but I feel like the film is making a comment on look at the state of journalism, look at how all of these reporters made the story about the scandal versus the issues. It, it just seemed like the film was skewed in that direction or was spinning itself in that direction. But if you look at a lot of the late night shows like the Lawrence O'Donnell show, which they cover in the film, Lawrence O'Donnell flat out asks Anthony Weiner, what's wrong with you? What, how are you, what was the phrase? Have you spent your time in your life well? What kind of a question is that from a journalist? It's what so kind bizarre. of a reporter asks that? It's nonsense. Hmm. So in that respect, I do kind of, I feel bad for him a little bit. I thought he handled himself well in that interview. He handled himself well in the interview, but then at home when he was watching it on his laptop, he laughed and thought it was hysterical that he was fighting with Lawrence O'Donnell on the air. So I don't know. There's a lot of it all around. But if you look at how the media has impacted politics, look at someone like Gary Hart. So Gary Hart, another rising political star, they found photos of him with a woman And there goes his political career. So should we be focusing so much on the personal lives of politicians? That's a question I think the film raises. Didn't they do a Radio Love episode about that one? I think they did, and we did it on Connections, too. You can find it on our webpage. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug. We have not, I've not done an episode of my podcast, Movies in a Microphone, on that yet. But it's, eventually we'll we'll get it there. Um, so I, I did want to go into I completely I had a follow up question to that and then I completely forgot there. But one of the interesting characters I thought here was Anthony Weiner's wife Huma, um, who is also an aide to Hillary Clinton. Um, and I was trying to get a read on her, but she doesn't. I don't think she she doesn't say much in the movie. They don't ask her much. The camera focuses on her a lot, um, especially right after I think it may have been the first scandal back in 2011 when she was like giving a speech to kind of support his run for mayor. Um, she kind of gives a little introduction and then when he's speaking it really like closes in on her she kind of looks like maybe she has tears in her eyes or something Um, I just thought she was a fast fascinating character I really don't have a question it's more of a comment but did you guys agree that she that she was such an interesting driving force in this movie I realized as I was watching this movie that I had been so influenced by some of the media coverage around her because the movie doesn't really focus so much on the parallels between the relationship between Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin and the Clinton relationship, which is something that was like, it was kind of like subtly mentioned, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton was like a huge role model to Anthony Weiner, and he officiated their wedding. Mm-hmm. He's the, you know, he's the husband of Hillary Clinton, who Huma works for. And then at the end of the movie, you watch Bill Clinton swear in Bill de Blasio, which is a role that Anthony Weiner wanted to fill as mayor of New York City. So it was totally weird. But um, just being inside that house in the documentary was super impactful to me. And it made me realize, like, oh, look at how how more complicated this was than just like a woman standbying her man for the sake of being in a political or in a power couple. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's not all politically motivated. Maybe there's like some more complicated emotions going on here and some more family drama than than I had originally thought about. And definitely the children played an aspect too. There was always like children in the background. You could see it. Um, their cat which was sitting there which I was kind of the disappointed. The one-eyed cat was like the star of this movie. <laughs> I know. I was like why didn't they interview the cat? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she uh, says at one point, it's like a living nightmare. She's in the mm-hmm. kitchen taking her vitamins or something, and the filmmaker says, what's it like? And she just says, it's like living a nightmare. And that's really the most she ever really says directly toward the camera about how she's feeling. 
And there was so much I wanted to see, like after the, in two, again, this is in 2013. So after the news of the second scandal hit, I'm like, I kind of wanted to see more about that, more of the reactions or even have the filmmakers like ask Anthony Weiner about that. Like, what are you doing? Why did you do this? And it just, uh, you know, that obviously could have been something that's on the cutting room floor or maybe, you know, there could be another reason for that. But it was just as a viewer, that's why I'm like, I want to see, I want to see the reaction to that. Uh, did you guys feel the same way? Wait, you mean the aftermath of the election? Um, oh no! Of the, of the uh, when news broke of the second scandal, his texting with the uh, um, the other woman to that. Well, I don't. Sydney. I actually didn't know when the timeline pineapple. was. Uh, yeah, pineapple was their <laughs> code name for her. Which I have thoughts on that code name, by the way. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just thought I wanted to see more more reaction of that. I mean, did you guys feel the same way, or was that just me on this? I the scene where they where they're on the phone with his campaign strategist and whom is watching everything break live on television as it's muted. And then there's that moment where they're staring at each other for like eight seconds in dead silence. I just feel like they're, that kind of like said it all. Like they're just staring at each other. And he says, can we have the room, please? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of maybe all I needed on, on the relationship front, at least. Mm-hmm. I did think there was an interesting, and I don't remember the timeline of the movie too, where she was trying to talk to him and she was angry about something. And then he just like looked and, and was just texting and not paying attention or was like on his phone doing something. And then she just like kind of, it's like, are you kidding me? And, and storms away. Um, so Megan, did you feel like maybe you wanted to see more about that or have the filmmakers ask Anthony Weir specifically, like, what are you doing? Or were you okay with how they played it? I think I expected them to answer a few more questions than they did. And I think this, there's a scene where he's in the car with his, press officer, Barbara Morgan, and she's asking him questions when the second scandal broke. How many women was it? When did it happen? And they're working together to form their answers. I think that's the most direct response that those questions ever received in the film. And you got to think, when you watch a movie like this, what are your expectations? What are the filmmaker's goals? And what are your expectations as a viewer? For me, I didn't really go in with many. I just thought, oh, this looks like a very interesting film. But the more it progressed, I thought, when am I going to learn anything about him other than this potential facade that he's putting on for cameras and for the public? Well, wait, what, what, do, you mean, what do you mean by that? Potential facade? No, like, what do you mean by learning more about him? Because there's also a point in the movie when he says, you guys just want names and I'm not going to give you names. I feel like if you knew exactly how many women Anthony Weiner had had sexted or had sent anonymous pictures of his underwear to, would that make you like know him better? No, that's a good question. No, I don't think that necessarily, but I feel like he's dodging so many things and, and why wouldn't someone dodge those things when you're in the spotlight? But there seemed to be this wall that couldn't, no one could ever get past. And I didn't know if I was watching a version of himself that he puts on for the public and, and the media, or if that's really who he is. So maybe that's what I was lacking. Do I really know who this is? Is this really a film about this person, or is it a portrait that he's painting for people watching it? I felt personally it was more of a version of himself. It's just, I don't know, he just didn't seem realistic in it. And it was part partially the way the filmmakers, I think, made it too. It's like I was saying, he was kind of more happy-go-lucky at the beginning, and then he w- it showed a little more of the anger, the 
you know, his more furious side, um, especially there was a scene. Um, it was after, so it was when he was running for mayor and it was after the news of the second scandal came out and someone just started yelling at him in a, in a bakery or a deli. Um, and he stopped, he turned around and, and they got into a shouting match. Um, and it just, it showed, I like Veronica, like what you were saying, he's kind of always was like that. He didn't necessarily change, but it chose to show it at that moment. So I, I kind of felt with you, Megan, that I didn't, really get a full grasp of him and i kind of got what you were saying before too where you wanted um maybe a little more and i I don't know if i necessarily want to know more about him but i was kind of curious and just just kind of the my superficial side just kind of the gossipy side like the juicy bits like maybe maybe learn more of that and that's kind of maybe superficial but i was just interested in that so i've you know, I vaguely remember this case. I remember the main things, but um, the Carlos Danger. I remember no, mostly I'd get the news from The Daily Show, watching it from there. So I, I kind of wanted to learn a little more. And I still felt like afterward I had to look up a bunch of stuff just to get the basic information of, of this story of what happened. Um, so I don't, did you, you didn't feel this way? You kind of. I mean, I, I knew the story going in. Mm-hmm. So I think that that really. That's true. The, thi- the thing that I wanted to get from the documentary was I think what I got, which is this sort of, and we were talking about this before we turned the mics on, but this almost like meta-analysis where the documentary is pointing the finger at the media and saying, look at how crazy these people are that are covering this, that are obsessed with this scandal. And yet that's what the documentary ends up being about, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was, was was really cool. Okay. And so again, this documentary is playing, opens Friday, June 24th. The Little Theater. You can find showtimes at thelittle.org. Uh, there's trailers there. You can check out information on all our other movies. It's great. Um, I do have a few more questions. I just wanted to get that pitch in. Um, so I had a few questions. I, I kind of thought there was an interesting... I thought there was one of the most interesting scenes involving a McDonald's in uh, any movie with this chase scene. Yeah. Um, it was with... So in the scene, um, a little spoilery, but I don't, I don't think too much. Um, so it was with Pineapple, which was Sydney Leathers. Um she was waiting for Anthony Weiner outside the headquarters. So they wanted to get back and they snuck through a McDonald's. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up, I, I thought it was a very interesting inside look at the campaign of how they handle stuff like that. And I think that's one thing that I kind of wanted more of. And Megan, you're nodding. So did you, did you like that inside look at it? Or did you want more of like, how are they handling this crisis? Like this unbelievable story that's happening to them? I don't know if I necessarily wanted more, but there were two, well, it was, I suppose it was all the same incident with pineapple, but there was a scene in which he must have been some kind of political aide. He came up to Anthony Weiner at a playground or in a park, and he said, I've got the TikTok for a plan for pineapple. Like, he kept saying TikTok. He said TikTok He was so lot. excited about saying TikTok. Yeah, what is TikTok? TikTok I don't know. Like, <laughs> they never explain it. No. It seems shady. It's like, we really got to go back to headquarters for the TikTok. Right. right. <laughs> so it, it was interesting to see that interaction. Wonder if that's really how people interact in those types of situations if they really have code words just like this and then that aide said it's my job to make sure meaning pineapple it, uh, she expletive fails at life today i mean he was just all out there and it mm-hmm. seemed very dramatic i don't know it it was just it seemed like it was a fictionalized version of what may have happened but apparently it wasn't so it, i kind of get that sense too and I, I was thinking like if i'm in that situation I know the cameras are watching me and he, so it was during the pineapple, the pineapple scene, he kept calling her pineapple and that's obviously her code name. And then he, you know, he swears and looks at the camera. He's like, why, you know, why are you upset? And he's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, you know, we call her pineapple. But 
you know, I, I was thinking, I'm like, is that something that he forgot that those cameras are there? Maybe in the moment he could have, but I, I just didn't quite buy it. Um, it so- seemed like a really convenient climax for the movie mm, too. That's you know? a good point. <laughs> I did like really, the McDonald's like I don't though. think it was sort of yeah. staged or anything like that, but um I just do think it was like super super intense and super dramatic and like code word pineapple go go go. <laughs> Everybody move through the McDonald's. And they also really set I really feel like the documentarians set her up, set Sydney um oh. Leathers up to be the real villain of this story, which I thought was an interesting choice like they have that one scene with her where they're talk, where she's talking about how don't meet your heroes because they're flawed humans and here is a woman who is you know in the process of profiting off of a sexual relationship that she had with a with a married political figure and it just seemed like a really weird thing to include like she's not the arch in wiener Mm-hmm. Wiener is the arch in Wiener. Yeah. So it seemed like an interesting, um, I don't know, narrative choice to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I get how she's kind of like the, you know, the combative, the, you know, the person against Wiener in that situation. But yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way too. And I'm like, this is just kind of weird how they're doing it. And she, she got a little film time where she got to say, her. but mostly it was just her, it was mostly just in that one scene. And it was just her getting angry. She's like, are you kidding me? He's not going to he's not going to confront me. And I don't know how she even chose to wait out there. Showed the, uh, her in a Howard Stern show. Mm. I don't know if that, I don't know the timeline. If that, if he's like, we should go do it. And then they just went and did it from right there. If that, they planned it later, but yeah. Or like how many hours she was standing outside right. of his campaign headquarters or where he was planning to be. Yeah. Like I mean, that. it was nighttime during that scene. You got to think it was, um, that, I mean, that was election day, right? Am I, or am I misremembering yeah. that? Yeah. So, so there was a lot of questions, but oh, you know, Overall, what was your your sense of this movie? I mean, I thought it was very interesting. Like I said, I didn't remember a lot of it, but it's, you know, we show a lot of documentaries at the Little, and I just, I, I thought this one, it was one of the most interesting. It definitely was one of the most captivating. Like, it held my attention. It was just, it's, I mean, because it's such a goofy, weird, like, absurd story, but it's real, and it was kind of, it's interesting to pull back the curtain even though i was saying i would have liked a bigger look but it's interesting to pull back the curtain and take a look at it so just kind of overall thoughts on this if you i know it's hard to sum up but no um for me i mean part of what makes this story so weird is anthony weiner's name right i mean like Mm -hmm. that's the elephant in the room his last name is weiner and they open up with this McLuhan (laughs) quote that i totally love which is the name of a man is humble is a humbling blow from which he never recovers and the (laughs) whole film he keeps saying how he has become a punchline and how he did the thing and and it's just and of course the name of the film is Wiener and it's like he fulfilled this prophecy that he was born with not to get too weird about it but it's almost like this was his destiny in a weird way that's the name um, of the wiener. I would have yes. liked that name more. <laughs> it's too weird. <laughs> um but yeah it's just like this weird it came full circle and it ha- it almost had to end that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even they got a remind of the John Stewart bit in there too. I think it's like, and he picked Carlos Danger as a name. <laughs> He's like, because Anthony Weirder, Anthony Weiner isn't weird enough. Right. Uh, so Becky, what were your, what were your overall thoughts here? I agree. I, I found it very captivating. I watched it twice. I watched it once because we hope to do a show on it for connections. And I watched it again for this podcast. And I was telling Veronica before we turned the mics on that, I liked it as much the second time as I liked it the first time. And although, as you said, I think they could have pulled back the curtain a little more, it was just an interesting view into someone's life. And it made me wonder what could have been if 
if these scandals had never happened, what great things could he have accomplished or who may he have been? And what will happen next? I mean, is he condemned to carry this around like his name for the rest of his life? It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see. I was kind of wondering the same thing, too. I'm like, how how good of a mayor would he have been? I mean, it, it made a point to show how passionate he was. And um, even in the beginning scenes, I'm like, hey, he seems like he would have been a good leader. Uh, just personally, he just didn't seem to have it together. Like, he couldn't control his vices, his impulses. He just... And again, I'm just kind of summarizing this from a hour and a half movie I saw and basically hearing stuff. So I don't know the full thing. But it, to me, it just seemed like, yeah, he just couldn't control himself. And he got himself into this mess. And there it was. He fulfilled the destiny of the wiener. Well, uh, also, like one more thing that I do want to mention that I wanted to say is that one of the themes that I love about this documentary is like technology, everything from the cinematography and the way it shows like these scrolling videos and and the text messages happening in real time and and all that that stuff. I thought that was such a really cool um, video style to incorporate. And Anthony Weiner before this scandal was seen as a really tech savvy politician who was well connected to his voter base and well connected to his constituency because he was so accessible. You know, it turns out that that ended up being what bit mm. him yeah, in behind. But, um, and also, I mean, you could, you could make the argument that one of the reasons that Wiener was, you know, targeted for this particular scandal is because he is bad at Twitter. He tweeted a picture of himself mm-hmm. instead of sending it through like a direct message or, you know, texting it or something like that. So it turned out to be his downfall, the technology aspect of mm-hmm. it. And it seems like that's almost commonplace now. Now you see that a lot where it's like people just don't know how to use Twitter or any of these social media things. And they, they, yeah, they do it. They'll tweet out something that they meant to use as a direct message and just downhill from there. Right. And he even makes the argument like, this is what brought me closer to people, but it's also was ultimately my undoing. So did it turn out to was technology good or bad in the end so related to that do you think this film is good or bad in the end for his reputation do you think people sympathize with him because of what you see in the film or are they even more angry with him i can't because of i this? pose that question to that's, scott that is a good question <laughs> uh, that's a good question i mean i don't know see part of it i got the sense that and again this is just me summarizing i obviously don't know this but i kind of got the sense that he was really he, he was all about himself. Like, he did like the attention. And, and what one thing this movie does do, it's going to bring attention back to 2013, back to this race, back to Anthony Weiner. Um, and from that, like, if I don't, you know, I don't know what his intentions are. You know, if he wants to do, again, if he wants to continue a political career or do, I don't know, if he wants to be a motivational speaker, whatever the case may be. Um, <laughs> I... I <laughs> Whatever the case may be, I think getting his, you know, if the goal is getting his name out there, I think it is a good thing. Um, I, certainly in some aspects, it's not going to be a good thing because it does not paint him in a favorable light for the most part. But I, I think if he wants to take another step in his career, then there's certainly, you know, his name's out there again. He's he's the focus. He's the headline, um, at least for the run of this movie. And, and it's a good movie. And it's been getting good reviews. So it's gonna have lasting power you know who knows it could even be up for awards and um so in that aspect will be good i don't know if that was a good answer to your question or not but no it was, it was a yeah. tricky tricky question do you, do you have thoughts on your on your own question or i'm, I'm flipping the tables here um i should probably stay away from making a your comment point. about <laughs> that um I, I would encourage people to watch the movie and and make their own judgments because there's certainly a lot of factors at stake. 
I like that answer. And again, if you you're wondering where can I watch this movie, well, that's a good transition. So you can watch <laughs> it at the Little Theater uh, again, thelittle.org for showtimes. Uh, opens Friday, June twenty fourth. So when you're listening to that, that's gonna be really soon, or perhaps even it's already playing. So hopefully you'll go see it. So any any final thoughts? Anything that you know you wanted to touch upon upon about Wiener about this movie um, that we haven't yet. Yeah, Scott, what was your favorite New York Post headline? <laughs> My favorite New York Post headline? Oh, man, it showed them all. I wish I should have written them down. Uh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. Do you, wait, do you have a favorite? I No, I don't. <laughs> but I love that that was one of the questions a reporter asked him. What's your favorite headline that we printed? And he said, oh, I don't read the Post. <laughs> He see he handled when he was getting these questions. I thought he handled himself well. He was very composed. He, I, I mean, probably th- some of that was through practice, and he, and it, it kind of showed all the headlines too, like in a quick uh, clip, which I thought was kind of funny. But he he seemed to handle himself well with that, and again, that kind of shows with the inside look. Like it showed him practicing his apology speech, uh, which I thought was interesting. Watching him just practice this speech and we all know that those are obviously someone prepares for that and reads it through multiple times but it's fascinating to see um so before we go i'll give you guys a chance you both do a lot of stuff in rochester have a lot of different projects i'll give you a chance to shout out your twitter or any websites that you want to veronica or megan you can go first sure okay i'm on twitter at mmac media and i encourage you to listen to connections on monday june 27th we'll where we'll be talking about the Wiener documentary with some political science professors, hopefully the filmmakers, and of course, our listeners, if you want to call in and join the conversation. So that's Monday, June 27th at noon. All right. And you can find me at Veronica WXXI on Twitter. Um, I'm, working, I'm working a lot on like Great Lakes stuff now, and, the, and uh, that collaborative you can follow at Great Lakes Today. Um, also, like Scott said in the beginning, I work on a podcast that we just wrapped up called Finding Tammy Joe, which you can find at FindingTammyJoe.com and other stuff at WXXINews.org. Mm-hmm. And both Connections and Finding Tammy Joe, you're reporting, they're both great. So it's really great to have you two on here. Um, so thanks again to my guests. We have Megan Mack, producer of Connections, Veronica Volk, Great Lakes Today reporter, Finding Tammy Joe, the podcast. Um, again, you can rewind and listen to where to find all that good stuff if you want. Uh, you can find Showtimes for Wiener again and all the movies we're playing at The Little at thelittle.org. You can swing by our box office, see what's going on, follow us on social media, and any social media you can think of, we're there. And remember, it's always a good time to take a little break. <laughs> <laughs>